The title of the message this morning is an interesting word, which is the title, it is the word baptizo. Would you please say that word, baptizo? And yes, I am pronouncing it correctly. So this deals with what the Bible says about believers' baptism. And I wanna pray right now. Father, I thank you for the sword of your word that will go forth very effectively and powerfully. I pray that there would be a special anointing upon me as I declare your word. And I pray that it would go forth with great clarity. Thank you that it will not return void under no circumstances. It will accomplish the purpose for which you sent it. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. So would you please turn so long to Matthew chapter 28. We'll get there in a few moments time and so it's good if you're looking in your own Bible, Matthew 28. And as you are turning there, I would like to begin by asking you a question. And the question is this, what are the two ordinances or sacred practices that Jesus commanded us to observe. Think about that for a moment. What are the two ordinances? Those special spiritual practices that Jesus commanded us to observe. The answer to that is, number one, baptism. Number two, the Lord's Supper. Jesus instituted these ordinances and his desire was that his followers would observe these special spiritual practices until he would return at the end of the age. And today we will look at the first ordinance, baptism. Everyone say baptism. baptism. That is what we're looking at. Now, one of the very clear scriptures with the instruction of baptism is found in Matthew 28, verse 18 to 20. It reads as follows, Jesus is speaking to his disciples and he says, and Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, this is what he said, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations baptizing them. Would you say that please? Baptizing them. So the Greek word there is baptizo. Baptizing them. Baptizo them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. It goes on to say, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you even to the end of the age. Amen. And can we say amen to the reading of God's word? Amen. Praise the Lord. So what's interesting is Jesus spoke these words just before his ascension. If he didn't have too much time to be together with his disciples, because his time on earth was drawing to a close, the ascension was about to take place, uh, would you agree that Jesus would be speak, uh, speaking about the most of the most important things and that is exactly what he was doing here with issuing the Great Commission and right there in the center we find this word baptizing. And so baptism, I would submit to you, is one of the most important doctrines in the Bible. 
Jesus placed tremendous emphasis on baptism. And that's why it is essential for every believer to know what the Bible says about baptism. I am of the opinion that in the broader church around the world, there's not enough clarity. There's all sorts of ideas, there's all sorts of strange ideas, but when you look at the Word of God and what it says, there is no reason for, conf for confusion because God's Word is abundantly clear, folks. Come on, it's abundantly clear. And so it's a hugely important doctrine. Now, five points that I'd like to share with you this morning. Number one, discover the meaning of the word baptize. I think this is important to do. Discover the meaning of the word baptize. The word baptize occurs some 77 times in the New Testament. It's quite a number of times. It is a most unusual word, and actually it is not an English word. Did you know that? It's actually not an English word. It is a Greek word, baptizo, which has then been transliterated into English. But because in English you don't have words that end with O, they simply replaced it with E. By the way, unless you're Nigerian, everything ends with O. How are you doing, oh? Yeah, where you are? Where are we going, oh? Yes. You must call me, oh? You know? All right. But anyhow, so English words generally don't end with an O, so they simply replaced it to E, and hence we have our English word, baptize. But now, we need to know what is the meaning of this. Because if we know an accurate meaning of the word baptize, it'll help us to be biblical in the way we approach the subject. So what is the literal meaning of the word baptizo or baptize? Listen carefully. To cause something to be dipped into a fluid and then taken out again. I wanna say it again, we have gotta have this clear. Baptizo, to cause something to be dipped into a fluid, in this case water, and then to be taken out again. That is what the word means. And so in terms of this, it's interesting that the Greeks would use this word. They would use it in reference to taking a cup and dipping a cup into a bowl of water. As you take the cup and you dip it into the bowl of water, you baptizo the cup. You dip it into the fluid and you take it out again. The Greeks also used this to describe the dyeing of a garment. Let's say you had a white garment and you had a purple trough of dye and now you wanted to dye that garment so you take the white garment, you put it in and you mix it around in the water and then you take it out of the water, you would baptizo your garment and so that is how uh, the word is used in terms of in history and so on. But what is the implication here? The implication is baptism by immersion. And I say that unapologetically. In other words, going under the water and coming back out of the water. And this is important to note because this is the original meaning of the word baptize. Now, in terms of baptism, 
We are to baptize according to scripture in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit. In other words, we baptize in the full name and authority of the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Tell you a little story. Many years ago, when I was in my dad's church, I, I was still in my younger teenage years. So we would have baptism on a Sunday night. There was a baptismal pool on stage, and different pastors of, of the pastoral team would take turns to do baptism. And so what happened is uh, my dad would sit together with some of his pastors watching those being baptized. And I saw a particular gentleman came into the water to be baptized and I wasn't paying too much attention but he got baptized and went up and uh, out of the baptismal pool. Then he started walking down the stairs to go to the change rooms underneath the stage. And next thing I saw, something had bothered my dad. So my dad jumps up and goes and, and calls the man from the baptismal change room down below, and he says, sorry, my brother, you're gonna need to get baptized properly. And the guy's like, what? And uh, he said, the pastor only said, in the name of the Father and the Son, so you're gonna have to be baptized. So next thing, my dad's up next to the pastor, and he says, listen, my brother, you need to say all three, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. All right, are we clear here? You know? Next thing I see this guy coming in and his hair, who was like this, is suddenly because it was in the water and he gets baptized again in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and he was baptized in the full name and authority of the Trinity. And for my dad, it was a case of it had to be right. <laughs> By the way, I honor my dad, man of integrity. Man who had to make sure it would be done right. Pastor Ed Reynolds. Secondly, preconditions for baptism. Number two, can we bring this up on the screen, please? Please say this with me. The preconditions for baptism. So there are three preconditions or prerequisites for baptism. And let me just mention them quickly and then I'll go into each one. In terms of the three preconditions, number one, there needs to be repentance. Number two, there needs to be faith. Number three, there needs to be a decision to become a disciple. Now, the first one, the first precondition to baptism is there needs to be repentance. Would you agree that it sounds right that there needs to be repentance before baptism? Good. And so what happened on the day of Pentecost? The Spirit of God was powerfully poured out. The church had just been birthed. And here, Peter gets up to preach the word of God. And he preaches powerfully because now he's preaching under the anointing of the Holy Spirit because Pentecost has just happened. And the people are cut to their hearts as they hear this message. And they respond and they say to Peter and to the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? They're cut to the heart. They don't know what to do. And then Peter's advice was abundantly clear. In Acts 2 verse 38, then Peter said to them, repent. Do you see this condition? Repent and let every one of you be baptized. What does this tell us? It tells us that there needs to be repentance before you can be baptized. That's the first precondition. The second one is there needs to be faith. Would you say faith? In other words, you need to believe in Jesus. In Mark 16, verse 16, Jesus said, he who believes, there's the faith right there. He who believes 
and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. And so it's clear from this, there needs to be faith in Jesus Christ unto salvation before you can be baptized. The third precondition under this point is that there needs to be a decision to become a disciple of Jesus. It's kind of like, I'm not gonna mess around anymore. I'm serious with God. I'm becoming a disciple. In Matthew 28, verse 19, Jesus said, go therefore and make disciples. There's that precondition of all nations. And then it says, baptizing them. So notice in this verse that the aspect of disciple comes before baptism. In other words, what I believe that this is saying is there needs to be a firm commitment to be a follower of Jesus Christ. There needs to be a firm commitment that I'm a disciple before I go ahead and get baptized. Let me tell you, we don't baptize interested parties. I got a bit of interest, looking in, finding, no, no, no. We don't baptize interested parties, we baptize disciples, those that have made up their minds that they are followers of Jesus Christ and they're never gonna turn back. I remember hearing a statement years ago from a friend of mine and he said, he said, you know what? Discipleship is not hanging around the cross, but it is getting on the cross and allowing yourself to be crucified with Christ. And by the way, when you get baptized, it is so wonderful because you are publicly declaring. This is what you're saying. You're saying, I am a disciple of Jesus Christ. And if Jesus Christ could die so publicly for you on the hill on the, at Calvary at Golgotha, I wanna tell you, you should be public about your faith in Jesus Christ. But it's wonderful. There is this public testimony. You go through the waters of baptism and you are saying, I am a disciple of Jesus Christ. Furthermore, just to say this, that a person doesn't need to be fully discipled before being baptized. Because in reality, they only need to know the basics of the gospel in order to take the next step. And there are many instances of this in the Bible, that people heard the word, they responded, they received it, and were immediately baptized. Many times it was on the very same night that they got baptized. Quite amazing. But then what about this aspect that it says in Matthew 28, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. What happens with that? Well, teaching, the more in-depth teaching, that comes at a later stage where you become mature as a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. But initially, all you need is to understand the basics of the gospel, have repented, and have a purpose in your heart. I'm becoming a disciple of Jesus, and then you're ready to get baptized. So, sir, ma'am, young person, older person, here's my question to you. Have you fulfilled these requirements? Have you repented? Have you placed your faith in Jesus? Have you decided that I am becoming a disciple of Jesus Christ? Because if you have met these conditions, I wanna say that you need to be baptized. Hear it loud and clear. You need to be baptized. 
And by the way, we have a baptism service straight after this service at 12 o'clock, and you can even be baptized today. I wonder if the Lord is speaking to you today. I believe that he speaks through his spirit. Just in terms of my own testimony of baptism, let, let me share it with you. So one thing I appreciate is that my dad and my mom, although leading the church that we were in, my dad's church, Hatfield, they never pressurized me to get baptized. I actually really appreciate that. Parents, don't pressurize your children to get baptized. And here I am, my dad's the senior pastor, I'm a PK, a pastor's kid, and you can imagine that there's lots of pressure, and I'm 11 years old, haven't been baptized, 13 haven't been baptized, 15 haven't been baptized, 16 haven't been baptized. But you know what, when I came to 18 years of age, I knew I was ready and I needed to get baptized. It was like something just began to stir in me and I knew that I was serious about God. And so on that particular night, I was baptized and I can tell you it was one of the most special experiences in my entire walk with God. And this is something that I particularly remember. I remember this. Afterwards, I felt so clean before the Lord. How many of you that have been baptized, you can also testify, you felt so clean before the Lord. Raise your hand, come on, raise your hand, praise God. And so I felt so clean, I felt like I never ever wanna sin ever again in my life. Because let me tell you, baptism is not just symbolic. Baptism is in itself powerful. God does stuff when you get baptized. Now one of the frequently asked questions is, at what age should a person be baptized. In terms of this, let me say, there is no specific age. Maybe for many people, like I did, you will know when you are ready. Sometimes I do get a little concerned when, when, when a parent has, has got their little six-year-old or seven-year-old and they wanna baptize them and, and I'm thinking, are you sure? Are you really sure that they're ready or, or they're wanting to get baptized because the older brother and sister are getting baptized and they just wanna do it as well? We need to be very sure. Maybe around about 12, 13 years of age because of the uh, historical element of the bar mitzvah and the bat mitzvah and coming into that age of maturity, maybe around about there could be a good time. But at the same time, you can have a nine-year-old young boy or young girl, and you know they are so sold out to God, you should not deny them being able to be baptized because they've met all the preconditions and there's heart, their hearts are sold out to God. But there is no specific rule about what age you should get baptized at. Now, let me move on to point number three. What about infant baptism? Well, let me say, based on the previous point, which we've just covered, if repentance, faith, and discipleship are preconditions to baptism, then we need to ask, is a baby capable of doing such things? Come on, let's be real. The answer is obviously no. An infant cannot repent. A infant cannot believe and place their faith in God. An infant cannot become a disciple. And that's why infants do not qualify for baptism. 
You may ask, well, where does infant baptism come from? Where did this come about? And it seems if you study history, it began to emerge somewhere in the third century. But it was certainly not taught by the Lord Jesus. It was certainly not taught by the apostles. And listen to what Derek Prince, a well-regarded theologian, I love Derek Prince's ministry and I've got many of his books. He says the following, nowhere in the New Testament is there any suggestion that infants were ever to be considered eligible for baptism. And I believe he puts it very correctly. Let me say this to you folks. Infant baptism is not biblical baptism. I wanna say it again. Infant baptism is not biblical baptism. But you say, John, you're really rattling my cage right now because my family has been in this tradition for years and years and I'm under pressure in terms of this and what do I do? And the only thing I can say to you is let us make sure that we hold the will of God and the word of God much higher than the traditions of man. Come on. Say amen. We've got to be sure that we act on the word of God and not on the traditions of men. Now, let me say, well, what if you're sitting here today and you did go through infant baptism as a child? I would humbly suggest to you that you see that as being dedicated to the Lord. I'm sure that your parents would have done it with, with a, a real desire just to raise and train you in the ways of the Lord. But later on in life, when you come to faith in Jesus Christ, where you can repent and believe and be a disciple, then you should go through the believer's baptism. You should go through Christian baptism, through the waters of baptism. Can I get an amen? amen. Point number four. Three good reasons to be baptized. Please say this with me. Three good reasons to be baptized. I love to share this. And the first of those reasons is Jesus himself was baptized. <laughs> That's a pretty good reason. <laughs> he was baptized. He set the example for us. Now, Jesus was baptized by who? John the Baptist. And it took place in the Jordan River. Jesus regarded baptism as so important that he submitted himself to baptism. What's also important to realize is the baptism of John, which only occurred over a, a, a period, a transitional period of time, was different to Christian baptism as we know it today. You see, the Bible tells us that John's baptism was a baptism unto repentance. But Jesus had never sinned ever in his life. He never needed to repent of anything. So the question is, why did Jesus get baptized? And here is the answer. Because he wanted to set the example and the pattern of baptism that you and I should follow in. His example is very, very important. And he set the example for you in going through the waters of baptism. And Jesus' baptism is recorded in Matthew 3, verse 16 to 17. It says, when he had been Baptized. This is Jesus getting baptized. Jesus came up immediately from the water, signifying baptism by immersion. And behold, the heavens were opened to him. 
and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting upon him. And suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. You know what? Sometimes I wish we could see the full HD videos of what took place on those days, you know? Because it must have been incredible. Because here Jesus comes and he submits himself to John the Baptist. He baptizes him. First John didn't want to baptize him. But Jesus said, permit it that the righteousness may be fulfilled. And so he baptizes, Jesus comes out of the water, and the dove descends on the Son of God. And then this beautiful voice, this is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. And by the way, there is one of the few instances in Scripture where we see the whole Trinity working together. First, there is Jesus being baptized, one person of the Trinity. Then there is the Holy Spirit, another person of the Trinity, descending and alighting upon Jesus. Then there is God the Father. His voice comes, this is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. And surely that should also speak to the significance because the whole Godhead was involved in that moment of baptism. But listen, he said, this is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. Notice, the Father was pleased that Jesus went through baptism. And I wanna tell you, when you go through the waters of baptism, your heavenly Father is smiling upon you. That's why in your heart afterwards you just sense this is incredible. And you can't even explain it. But it's the affirmation of the Father that is coming upon you, praise God. The second, uh, under this point, the second good reason to be baptized is listen to this, this might blow your mind. Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John the Baptist. Do you know that? People are going like, rhubarb, rhubarb, rhubarb. I don't know about that. I'll show you in a moment's time. Now, when we think of Jesus' earthly ministry, we tend to think of miracles, crowds, feeding of the 5,000, maybe the Sermon on the Mount, etc. But the reality is, listen to this, Jesus also practiced baptism throughout his ministry. And I'll prove it to you. Let me read it to you. John 4, verse one to three says, therefore, when the Lord knew that the Pharisees had heard that, listen to this, that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John. It also clarifies in brackets, though Jesus himself did not baptize, but his disciples, he left Judea and departed again to Galilee. So, admittedly, Jesus didn't do the actual baptizing, his disciples did. But nevertheless, all of these people were baptized under Jesus' ministry. Jesus was probably standing around watching it happen, but there were so many people, the crowds were so large that his disciples were doing the work of baptism. But still, the scripture says that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John the Baptist. Now, what's the big idea? This is the big idea. If John the Baptist had gotten that title and earned that title for baptizing so many people and Jesus baptized even more people, then this must tell us that baptism is not trivial. It is hugely significant in the eyes of the Lord because you don't spend time on something that is trivial. You don't do that. 
especially as the Son of God, when you have only three and a half, approximately three to three and a half years of public ministry, you will spend every waking moment on what is absolutely essential. And then the third aspect, so the first of these three was Jesus himself was baptized, a good reason to get baptized. The second one was Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John the Baptist. And then the third one is Jesus commanded us to be baptized. Now, for those that battle to concentrate, if you've already gotten, forgotten reason one and reason two, just remember number three, all right? Be baptized. Please say to the person next to you, be baptized. <laughs> be baptized. And it says in Matthew 28, verse 19, Jesus said, make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them. And so this is an instruction. So Jesus said to these disciples, there's a certain way in which you are gonna go out and full, fulfill the great commission, but a crucial part is baptizing them. This is an instruction. And I wanna say that baptism is important. Why? Because Jesus commanded us to be baptized. Praise God. The last point, number five. The powerful symbolism of baptism. Please say this with me. The powerful symbolism of baptism. Would you please turn to Romans chapter six in your Bible. Let's have a look at Romans chapter six. So the symbolism, just as you're turning there, the symbolism of baptism is truly powerful. And the main scripture in the word of God that deals with the symbolism is here in Romans six, verse three to four. And this is what it says. Listen carefully. Read it to learn. Or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Would you say the word death? death. I'd recommend that you circle that, that word death. Therefore, we were buried. Would you say the word buried? I'd recommend that you circle that as well. Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should walk in newness of life. Those three words, newness of life, I would humbly suggest to you that you circle those words, newness of life. And so essentially, there are three key elements in this passage that deal with symbolism. And they're the elements of death, burial, and newness of life. By the way, just a slightly humorous phrase that I heard some years ago, that baptism is the only time you get to attend your own funeral. Isn't that cool? <laughs> Now, let's get back to the symbolism. Everyone say symbolism. Now, in terms of the symbolism, into the water speaks of death. You see, as we go down into the water, as some of you will be baptized just now, as you go down into the water, it signifies that we have died to sins. And we are dead to sin, why? Because Jesus died for our sins. Too many of us are living like our sinful nature is still alive and well. No, 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 don't live like that. 
You have died to sin. Into the water speaks of death. And there has been a complete break with your sinful nature. It has died. Your sinful nature is dead. This is part of the good news of the gospel, folks. And it says in Romans 6, verse 11, it says, Reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin. Some of you are wondering why you don't have greater victory over sin in your life. One of the reasons could be is that you are not recognizing that you are dead to it. But my Bible says, consider yourselves to be dead indeed to sin. Then under the water, going under the water speaks of burial. There's the symbolism. Now, in terms of this, a dead person must be buried. Would you agree? And so just as Jesus was buried in the tomb, we are symbolically buried beneath the waters of baptism. We are buried. It's kind of like a watery grave and you are buried under the waters of baptism. And you know what? Our sinful nature is put away forever. Praise you, Jesus. Our sinful nature put away forever. And it says in verse four that we were buried with him through baptism. And then the last aspect of uh, symbolism here is out of the water speaks of resurrection. You see, when you are baptized and you are raised out of the water, it is in a way, in a very real way, it is like the resurrection of Jesus, which is happening in your life. And we are raised in power, listen to this, to live a new kind of life. We are raised to a life of power and victory over the enemy. The Bible says whatever is born of God overcomes the world. There is victory that comes as a result of this obedience. And it says in verse four, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we, that's you and me, should walk in newness of life. And so it's so wonderful to realize that now we have a new life. We have a life of righteousness. We are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. The Bible says, live for righteousness. And we are living righteously unto God. And so there is the symbolism. Into the water speaks of death. Under the water speaks of burying your old life. Out of the water speaks of resurrection life and newness of life. And here's the thing, folks. The moment you get baptized, you become, it's powerful, you become identified with Jesus. Isn't that wonderful? As you follow him through the waters of baptism, you become identified with Jesus in his death, in his burial, and in his resurrection. And then you can say together with the apostle Paul, it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. Now go ahead and give the Lord a hand of praise. Come on. Come on. Christ lives in me. Christ lives in me. And as I'm drawing into a close, I want to say in conclusion, the decision now rests with you. The decision now rests with you. The decision now rests with you. 
The decision now rests with you. Will you be baptized? You know what? The enemy will probably say, oh, wait till next year. There's many stories in the Bible of people getting saved and even some of them, that very night they were baptized. And sometimes we put this off for too long. I ask you today, will you be baptized? And it says, just one more scripture, Acts 22 verse 16. Ananias said the following as he was preaching to Paul of Tarsus after he had communicated the gospel. Ananias said the following. He said, and now, why are you waiting? Arise and be baptized. That's pretty clear. And so I wanna encourage you. I believe that there's many people that you need to go and you need to get baptized. In a half an hour's time in the Baobab Hall, you can be baptized today. Pastor Andre and the team are ready to baptize you. But if for some reason you say, well, I, I, I'm not gonna get baptized today, I do wanna have just some family and friends, I do implore you and I urge you, get baptized in the immediate future. Stop putting it off, stop putting it off. And I believe that God laid this message on my heart today because I felt a stirring in my heart that this had to be addressed. I sense that God is speaking to people. I had a young lady come to me after the service, the first service, and she said to me, I just wanna say thank you to you because during the week, I had a lot of questions about baptism. I was even talking to my mom about baptism. And then I saw when the SMS to the members was sent out yesterday that we were gonna be talking about baptism. And she said, in the message that you shared, you answered all of my questions and now I'm gonna be baptized. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Won't you stand with me? Let's stand. Let's close in prayer. Ah, Father, it's been good to be together today. Can we just lift up our hands to the Lord and just say, Lord, we honor you, we honor you. Lord, just by the lifting up of our hands right now, we give you honor, we give you glory. Thank you for what you are doing today. Thank you for the working of your Holy Spirit. The word of God has been declared. I thank you that it shall not return void. And so Father, we just thank you that you are all we need. And we just say we love you, Jesus. Won't you just say that, I love you, Jesus. Just say it again, I love you, Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you, you're free to be on your way.